Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. make a journey through the word of the Lord today. Amen. The book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. The book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. I'm going to read one uh, scripture here and uh, be referring to a lot of other passages. But I'm thankful that the power of the Holy Ghost in our lives doesn't just Find us where we are and leave us as we are. Amen. I'm thankful that the Spirit of God is a change agent. God's Word and His will changes us. I'm thankful that I'm changed. So if you're disappointed in me now, then you'll be very thankful you didn't meet me before. Amen. And if you'll just kind of couch that disappointment for a little while, I'm planning on staying bent in the same direction. And I'm daily asking the Lord, change me, change me. I'm thankful to be changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23, Paul said, The very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body being preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And with this one verse, I just want to have a one word message today, changed. Changed. I've been changed by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. I, I, I woke up changed this morning. I hope to wake up tomorrow a little more changed. Just let His Spirit touch our hearts and lives. God bless you and you can be seated and what a great season of praise and worship we've had. But I believe that the Lord is not done. He's not done. And so if you won't, if you won't leave, and I'm not talking about physically, but if you won't leave, He won't leave. If you'll stick around, He'll stick around. And if you'll be available and open, God will do something in this place today. The Apostle Paul has a lot to say about the process of sanctification or the power to be changed. Earlier in his writings, even to the church at Thessalonica, in chapter 2 and verse 13, Paul said, God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. I believe that the scripture would, would verify that the Spirit of the Lord, as He begins to move and work in our lives, we begin the process of being sanctified. Amen. We're being cleansed. We're being made more like Him. It's, it's not a one and done. There's, there's not just one magical prayer 
one magical song, one mystical sermon, and all of a sudden we are everything that we need to be. The church is not a museum, amen, of, of perfection. The church are, is, is a group of people that are working, and we're working toward. There's a, an old children's song that says, He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. And while it took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars, it may have, he may have been able to do all of that, but you see, those things didn't have will. <laughs> and it's our will that, that has to be changed. It's our will. And God will not force us to serve Him. He'll not force us to do anything. But He will allow us to be changed if we'll let His power change us incrementally. In 1 Thessalonians 3, in verses 10, 11, 12, he says that he is praying night and day for their sakes. That's what Paul said. Praying night and day that the Lord make you to increase and abound in love to the end he may establish your hearts unblameable, unblameable in holiness before the Lord. And then in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 3, he says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. And so when we pick up the Bible and we begin to read through the passages of Scripture, and we read, especially in the writings of Paul, or anywhere, frankly, but when we read the writings of Paul, and we, we hear Paul use words like blameless. We hear Paul use words like perfect. <laughs> It just makes me want to get off at the next stop. Because if we're talking about blameless and if we're talking about perfection, these are very intimidating words to the casual reader. Be you perfect. Be you holy. And we look at ourselves where we are and we see where we've been. We're thankful for that. But we see where we want to be and we realize there's yet a chasm in our lives. These are intimidating words. But... But there is a very clear doctrine of holiness and righteousness that runs throughout all of the scripture. There's not just one person that gets on this and leaves it alone. But when we read that, we can automatically disconnect ourselves. And we can think, well, I'm not perfect and I am not without error. So this God thing must not be for me. Or this church thing must be beyond my ability to reach. So I'm just going to check out now so that I will not be considered a failure. Two words in the New Testament are translated perfect. And, and one of those definitions of the word perfect simply means to be fully equipped. And it's not referring to sinlessness or it is not referring to sinless perfection. One of those instances can be found in 2 Timothy 3.17. And it's here where Paul again says that a man of God may be perfect thoroughly furnished unto all good works. But the example that Paul is using here, if I could use another analogy, if I could draw our attention or maybe another word picture in our mind, it would be that we would talk about a house, a literal physical house being perfect. It would be perfect if it was completely equipped. If this house had all the furnishings in it, if it had all the appliances in it, if all the rugs were laying in the right place on the floor, all the curtains were over each window, on and on. If everything was there that would make that house a home, 
That's what the scripture that Paul is talking about here being perfect. It means being fully equipped. It's ready. But if we were to think about that in the sense of absolute perfection, we understand that there would be flaws. And so that's what he meant. It is fully equipped. He's not saying that it's flawless. Another Greek word that is translated perfect is the word teleos. Again, this is not a reference to sinless perfection. Amen. And so I don't need anybody to disconnect on me right now because if you leave now, you're going to tell a bad and an incorrect story on my sermon. Because somebody now is already drawing the analogy, this guy don't believe in holiness. Amen. And they're a little frustrated by that. And somebody else is drawing the analogy, this guy don't believe in holiness. And they're happy about that. So just stay with me to the end. And let's get off at the same stop. What do you think? Amen. This is not a reference. Telios is not a reference to sinless perfection. But it means mature. It means fully grown. For example, a boy becomes an adolescent and becomes a man. A girl becomes an adolescent but becomes a woman. It means that they have reached the goal, the goal which God intended for this life. And so there comes a time when God expects us to show signs of growth and signs of maturity that God is going to be looking. He's going to be seeing if there's not some change in us. I want to read Hebrews 5 and 12, but I want to read this through the New King James Version because I want it's a little bit easier to understand Hebrews 5 and 12, just for the sake of teaching right here for just a moment. The Bible says, for, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So this is quite a rebuke, quite a, a shameful rebuke, if, if, if I could be so bold as to say, because the writer of Hebrews is saying, by this time you ought to be teachers. But the problem is, is that you need somebody to teach you again. The first principles. Because you're happy over here in the children's section. You, you're, you want to still be on the $1.99 menu. Amen? Okay, $3.99 menu. Maybe I'm dating myself here. I don't know. Our son's 38 or so. They were dirt. It was $1.99. There was a $1.99 menu. Let's, let me say that for the record. You're over here and you, you're still wanting to be on, on, on this page. And he said, you, you ought to be teaching but you're still demanding that somebody else teach you again to go over this again and again. And you need milk and not solid food. But he said those that partake of milk and not solid food, they're unskilled in the Word. And they're a babe. But he said solid food, that belongs to those who are of full age. And so when we are immature or we are not perfect, according to the Scripture, when we are spiritual babes, we haven't attained the goal which God has called us to, to be and the goal that God has called us to reach. So the word perfect 
in this second instance means full grown or mature. And so we've attained the things which God has called us. And, and that when we are babes, all of us in this house have been in that category, both naturally and spiritually. But think about this, that when we were babes and we were drinking milk, milk is the end result or milk is the byproduct of something that someone else has already digested and something else that someone has already processed. Whether that is from a mother in a human sense or a mother in a cow or whatever it may be, milk is the end result of something that somebody else is responsible for. They did all the eating. They took care of themselves. And it was their body that produced. And all we had to do is partake. But there comes a time in the kingdom of God. And this is where the preacher's going today. There comes a time in the kingdom of God that we need the Holy Ghost to do His work and change us. Amen. That we are not just trying to partake of something that somebody else has provided for us, but that we come in this house and I just want to back up and just maybe refer to our praise and worship up to this point in the service. I don't want to be guilty of just coming and standing in the overflow of someone else. But I want to know that part of the reason why the power of God is flowing in this house is because we've been dedicating ourselves to prayer and righteous living. Amen. Since we left here Wednesday night. We haven't been doing everything we thought we were big enough to do and could get by with, but we have been living a God, a life of godliness and holiness and righteousness, and we've been seeking Him, praying. I mentioned this a service or so ago to not just pray for our services. We ought to pray for whoever is going to be breaking the bread, whoever is going to be preaching the Word. I want to know that we've got some meat. Amen. That places us in a position to eat the meat of the Word of God. We live in a world that it is so incredibly, incredibly easy to offend people. I'm not just talking about in the church world. I'm just talking about in life in general. You got to be careful of everything you say. You got to be careful of every, every how you couch something, every how you present it, because it seems like the whole world is getting more and more fragile when we ought to be able to eat the meat and just receive something and, and, and be able to let the power and the Spirit of God. That same principle is in these words that are translated sanctification and saint or holy and holiness. These things are not referring to sinless perfection. So I'm trying to navigate through some things here this morning. We're not going to be perfect as long as we live in this flesh. And so we just got to get that in our minds. That doesn't mean we have a license to sin and we can just do whatever we want to do and just write it all off because I'm just human. I'm not suggesting that, but I'm also reaching for somebody that's on the outside looking in saying, I could never do this. I could never serve God. I could never walk this way because I'm not perfect. Well, if you're not perfect and you're looking for a church to join, I can recommend a great one. Amen, because we're not perfect. We've got flaws. And if you don't think we have flaws, just hang around a little while. Amen. We've got flaws. We, there, there's flies in the ointment. We're, we're, not, we're not leaving them there. We're trying to do our best. Amen. But I will promise you we have to understand that Paul said we have this treasure. Talking about the Holy Ghost. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. And as long as we're talking about 
earthen vessels. We're not going to be talking about perfect vessels. It is an earthen vessel. However, we've got to reach a place in God where we are maturing. I can't say, well, I, I just can't use the same excuses today at 61 that I could use when I was 8. I might could excuse some of my behavior when I was 12. But that's not going to hold any water today because life, society, life has pushed me into a different category. And so I'm responsible now. I'm responsible now to think differently, to act differently, to respond differently. We should arrive at that place where our actions match our age. When I was growing up, there was a, a little saying that some people would say, you, you need to act your age and not your shoe size. Anybody ever heard that? <laughs> and so we should act our age in the Spirit. These words refer to something that's set apart for God. That's what Paul is driving at. An example of this, an example of this is found in Exodus 13 and 12. The Lord spoke to Moses, and, and the Lord said to Moses, He said, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn, whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both the man and the beast. It is mine. Now that's a good example of the word sanctify. Follow me now, because it simply means, Moses, I want you to take the firstborn of man or beast, and I want you to know one thing, that that belongs to me. It is set apart for me. It simply means it's set apart. This belongs to God. If we would consider uh, Leviticus 8, this passage talks about Moses, the Lord telling Moses, I want you to go and anoint things that are going to be used in the temple. Things that are going to be used in my service. Now stay with me if you will. And so he said, Moses, I want you to go in there and I want you to anoint these items. And so Moses anointed the table. And he anointed the lampstand. And he anointed the veil. And he anointed the altar. And he anointed the curtain. And he anointed the court. And so Moses anoints these things. Every object in the tabernacle he anointed them with oil and sanctified them. But I just want to stress something here this morning for the point of my message today is that when Moses anointed the table, he did not perfect the table. When Moses anointed the lampstand, he didn't perfect the lampstand. When he anointed the altar, the veil, the curtain, the couch, whatever it would have been, he did not perfect it. What he did was set it aside for the use of God. This belongs to God. Do you know that just down the road there would be homes that would have a similar table or a similar light stand or a similar furnishing, so to speak. And, and that was so different than that that Moses had anointed because it was different. This was just a standard table, a standard lamp. But this has been set aside. I think Brother Everett maybe last weekend was talking about the building and, and he said this has been set aside for the Lord. If it wasn't you, I'll blame you. Amen. And uh, it, it, this set aside for the Lord. But whatever you find in this building, it's just wood and carpet and fabric and drywall and insulation and paint. You can find this in any building up and down the road all over the country. But what makes this different? Amen. We didn't go to a different counter to buy paint. We didn't go to a different business to buy the carpet. We didn't go to a different business, just this holy place that you can only reach just once or twice a year to get the lights. We just went to Lowe's. Amen. We went to here and we went there and, and we got it and we bought it. Then we said, Lord, we dedicate this to you. We didn't perfect the carpet. 
Amen. We just dedicated it and set it aside for the Lord. We didn't perfect these things. We just dedicated unto the Lord. He set them apart. Moses set them apart. The table or that vessel, it could have had a weird grain in the wood. It could have had a leg that didn't quite look like the other leg. I'm not talking about being wompy or things of that nature, but these items, think about it. They're handmade. And so they were uh, certainly had a potential to have flaws. But yet Moses Moses sanctified them and he sanctified the altar and he sanctified the lampstand and he sanctified the showbread. He said, I am going to set this apart for God. Can I tell you this morning, amen, I'm trying desperately not to get ahead of myself, but when the Lord reached out and he baptized you with his spirit and filled you with his spirit, do you know in that moment you were set aside, but you were not made perfect? Amen. I just feel a dangerous thing in my heart today. <laughs> Amen. There are people that got the Holy Ghost. I mean, really got the Holy Ghost. They got the real Holy Ghost. And when they walked away from that experience, they still struggled with some sins in their life. And they still struggled. And, 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 and you know, some of you are dying for me to name those sins. Shame on you. But they struggled with that. They wanted, they, they were wanting to be better. But every now and then just something happened and a word would fly out that they didn't learn in Sunday school. You know why? They had been set aside, but they were not perfect. Now, is the preacher saying we ought to just be able to cuss if we want to? You are grossly misunderstanding me. I'm saying that we got to grow up. Amen. We've been set aside. And when those words pop out of our mouth, we say, wait a minute. Wait a minute, he baptized me with his spirit. I've been set apart for him. I've been set aside for him. I've got some responsibility myself. I've got to grow here. I've got to get this right. And then I'm going to tell you that every liar didn't stop lying just because they got the Holy Ghost in a moment. Amen. Everybody that had this hiccup or that hiccup may not have stopped in a moment, but aren't you glad you just kept coming back to the well? Amen. And it got further and further and further apart because we just kept coming back to the well. Because when hell would try to devise a plan to destroy us, I would just have to say, wait a minute. Amen. That sweet Holy Ghost set me aside. That sweet Holy Ghost anointed in me. That sweet Holy Ghost I've got the same potential I've got the same propensity of anybody walking the earth Amen. I could murder, I could rob a bank, I've got all of that it's in my flesh, it's just in my flesh like it's in anybody else's flesh the difference is amen. that somebody got a hold of me and his name was J-E-S-U-S and he baptized me with his spirit and it wasn't just a one time thing it wasn't just a one moment thing it wasn't just a one revival thing but what happened in that one moment is God anointed me and he set me aside and he said, I'm going to set you aside from my service. I'm going to set you aside from my glory. Hallelujah. And we've been working together on this from that moment until now. Can I just be honest with you? And you, you're going to be grown enough to just take this. All right. You're grown enough to take this. It's 12 o'clock, I'm on page 10, and I've got 24 pages. So, 
Well, you just just lifted that hand a little too soon, didn't you? You just gave one preach too many, one amen too many. When you when you look at the life of Jeremiah, when you look at the life of Jeremiah, you find something very interesting. Jeremiah one and five. Here's what the Lord said: Before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Amen. Now, that doesn't mean that Jeremiah was born without any natural or human flaws. Jeremiah could have been born with a birthmark that we don't know anything about. Maybe some natural flaw. Maybe his left ear was bent down and folded and it was just like that for life. We don't know. It doesn't mean because he said, I knew you and I formed you and you've already got this great anointing on you. He, we, we don't know. Amen. He may have had a wandering eye. He may have had one ear work better than the other. He may have had a limp. We don't know all of those things. It's not saying, Jeremiah, come into this world. I want to tell you, he wasn't a bullfrog. Amen. And he wasn't perfect. Somewhere in that muddy middle, some of you got that. Somewhere in that muddy middle, shame on you for getting that. Amen. Somewhere, somewhere in that muddy middle, Jeremiah came out and he was a nursing child just like any other child. Just like the boy next door. Just like the boy down the street. He was just a nursing child. He had to learn how to walk. He had to learn how to talk. And you know what? While he was learning how to do all these things, he was anointed a prophet. Amen. He was anointed. He was set aside. But you got to grow into this, Jeremiah. You got to grow into this, Jeremiah. Oh, don't you know, my, 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 don't you know that there were times that his mother and his father reminded him of the words of the Lord. God's going to use you to do some great things. And yet, Jeremiah, when he was old enough and of the age of accountability, said, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. I'm not sure. I can do this and the Lord had to send an angel his way to remind him that you can do this are you hearing me are you following me this morning I'm telling you the call of God it will come and that call can change us that don't mean we'll never be fretful it doesn't mean that we'll never be fearful it doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect but I'm going to tell you that the Holy Ghost can change you it can change you it ought to change the way we walk it ought to change the way we talk it ought to change the way we think it ought to change the things that we desire it ought to change the things that we have a passion for there ought to be an evidence there ought to be an evidence that the spirit of God has set us aside amen a few weeks ago I talked about the about the holy scriptures about the Bible I was teaching about the Bible itself and how Simon Peter shared how we have these scriptures and and he said in 2 Peter 1 20 and 21 how that that holy men of God spake as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. Holy men of God. Whoa, wow. If we heard today that we're going to have a group of holy men of God with us. We just kind of back up. They start walking in. Because we got some holy men of God that are going to be with us. But that doesn't mean they were perfect. And it doesn't mean they were sinless. And I'm not trying to undermine your confidence in the Word of God. I'm just trying to keep things real in our heart here today. If you know anything about some of these characters, you know that they were not perfect. I could lift, lift, give you a long list 
But I will tell you that Moses could not even enter the promised land because he had some anger issues and he let his flesh get ahead of him and get ahead of God and get ahead of the plan of God. And because of that, the Lord took him to the top of Mount Pisgah and let him see the promised land, but he couldn't enter the promised land. David desired to build a temple for the house of God. But, but Nathan had to come and the Lord had to correct Nathan and Nathan had to come and say you can't do this because you've got blood on your hands. You've let your flesh get in the way. Amen. But yet the Bible still called them holy men of God. Amen. They were flawed but God called them and God used them. I'm not trying to discredit these Bible characters. I'm not trying to discredit the value of the word of God. I'm trying to send a message of hope to somebody in this house today that the devil has convinced you can't live for God you can't serve him I'm going to tell you you can that you can if you'll yield yourself to his spirit if you'll yield yourself to his calling he will make you and he will change you change you amen I don't want to leave you with a misunderstanding. I'm not attempting by any stretch of the imagination to undermine the importance of holiness. That's the last message I'm trying to convey. But what I am trying to say this is this, and that is that sanctification is a process and any child of God is not without fault. And that's why the enemy can trip up sometimes sinners. It's because they look and they see the fault. Amen. But the church is not a museum. This is an emergency room. You meet people at their worst sometimes. They staggered in here because somebody told them they could find hope. Amen. So I'm thankful for the realization of what the church should be. But we should move forward, obviously. And there must be an Inward, there must be inward and outward signs that we're being transformed. How else is the world going to know? Amen. I believe the world ought to be able to look and see. And I believe that the closer they get to what they see, they begin to feel something that matches what they see. After we are filled with the gift of the Spirit, I believe that we ought to been be exercising the fruit of the Spirit. 2 Thessalonians 2 and 13, the Bible says, God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit. Notice that phrase, through sanctification of the Spirit. So we should first understand that this is something God does and that no man, no man can sanctify himself. It can't be done. You, can, you, you just can't holy up yourself. You might be able to do that for a season, but after a while, you can't just do that in your flesh. There's got to be something in your spirit that is working in harmony with that. Amen. That's, just, that's the same thing as our text. God himself sanctify you holy. And so if there's anything that will be holy about us, it's going to have to come from God. That's why, this is why, among many reasons, but this is why true holiness should not create a spirit of holier than thou. So if your holiness looks like a ball bat and the world looks like a ball, 
Something's wrong. Something's wrong. If God doesn't sanctify us, we cannot sanctify ourselves. And so how does this happen? It happens through the sanctification of the Spirit. John 16 and 8 says, And He, the Holy Spirit, will reprove or will convict. That's what the word reprove means. The world of sin. Can I say that again? John 16 and 8. And He, that Holy Spirit, He's talking about He, will reprove or will convict the world of sin. And so when you do something that you're not supposed to do, you don't need the preacher standing next to you. <clears throat> We've got the Holy Ghost. Anybody ever just felt that pinch? That that's, mm, I don't need to be here. I don't need to be doing this. Because the Spirit will convict. Amen. Some recognize that we're, we're saved by grace. We confess our sins. We own our sins. Daily we ask God to wash us, cleanse us of our sins. Yet others live and unfortunately die with unforgiven sin. But hear me today. No one will ever see the face of God who dies with unforgiven sin. It's irrespective of what our liberal, run off the rails, out in the weeds world has begun to think there is a heaven and there is a hell and somebody's going there. Amen. No one will see the face of God who dies with unforgiven, unrepentant sin. This is why Romans 1 and this is why 2 Thessalonians 2 and passages like that, but specifically Romans 1, 2 Thessalonians 2 are so critical because we, Romans 1, talks about flirting with vile sin to the point that we are turned over to that sin. So you just keep playing with something and after a while, it won't be a game. It will have you. You will not have it. But And, and, and Paul in Romans talks about vile sins. But in 2 Thessalonians, Paul talks about loving the truth. If, or not loving the truth. That if we have not a love for the truth, if we don't love the truth of God's Word, that we can be turned over and that we can believe a lie and be damned. And so I know there are people that say, well, there's only one unpardonable sin, so as long as I don't deny the Holy Ghost and as long as I don't deny the existence of God, everything will be all right. But let me just ask you a question. If, if we don't have a love for the truth and if we put ourselves in a position where we can the Lord can turn us over to a reprobate mind and we believe a lie and be damned, then that means there could be things that are sinful in our lives that we don't think is sinful. Because we have flirted with danger. It's a little bit quieter here than it was a moment ago. But we have played with something and played with something and played with something until we think it's no longer as bad as it used to be. And the Lord can just say, well, if that's what you want, then you just help yourself. And if we're sinning and we don't repent of that sin, we're going to be lost because we've got unrepentant sin in our heart. Praise the Lord. Oh, God, help us. Help us to die. That's why Paul said we should die daily. Amen. Die daily. I understand this is an Old Testament concept and not applicable today, but I think the principle of this should 
resonate in our heart. That Job was so concerned about his children, his family, that Job offered sacrifices just in case my sons have sinned, just in case my family has sinned. I understand that we can't do that today in this dispensation, but but you understand the, the, the pertinence of that. Job understood we got to get this right every day. Maybe they forgot to say I'm sorry. Maybe they forgot i gotta, I got to take care of this. That's how important it was to die daily. And so... There is something powerful, I believe, that is released in us when we recognize our need of God's forgiveness. Even though we're saved, there are times we stumble when we ought to walk straight. And this is a great time to say amen. There are times when we stagger when we ought to stand strong. And there are times when we doubt when we ought to have faith. I'm talking to the church now. I'm talking to Holy Ghost filled people now. But in all of this, I'm still trusting the Lord. I love the honesty of Scripture where the man came to the Lord and said, Lord, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. We can relate to that. I believe, but I'm staggering. I've said it this way years ago. Somebody asked me, I can't even remember the scenario now, but they said, I was telling about a situation and they were sincere it was a good friend. I wasn't being a smart aleck with them. They said, man, where's your faith? I said, well, right now it's all tangled up in reality. <laughs> but I'm working on it. Uh, right now it's just tangled up in what I see. And what I see seems hopeless, but I'm working. I'm working on it. And that's the difference between a man that's saved and a man that's lost. So you name all the sins in the world. And it won't matter how long that list gets, the Lord can forgive us. There's only one sin that can damn you, and that is, amen, the Lord can never forgive a sin that a man will not confess. And we will not confess it if we don't think it's wrong. Amen. There's no other way. John 14 said, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's one door. Acts 4 and 12 says, Neither is there salvation any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. There is not another train coming. There is not another route. There is not another way. Hebrews 10 and 4 reminds us that there is no other blood but His blood. Amen. This is what the Spirit does for us. And the, the Spirit of God takes us out from under that rock of condemnation and sets us upon the rock. Amen. Him. We have a Savior. We have new hope. We have new vision. And the sanctification of the Spirit is something that God does for us. And, and here's the third thing. is That is that God makes our bodies His temple. He asked a sobering question. Paul did in 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? Did you not know that you are the temple? I would just imagine that anybody in this house right now, whether you're a member of this church or not, if somebody come walking in the side door of this, of this building for whatever reason right now and they were smoking pot and they had bottles of vodka in their hand and, and uh, they had all kind of things going on, I, I would imagine not one person in this building, man, woman, boy, or girl, wouldn't say, hey, 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 you can't do that here. Well, I was thinking you would do that. <laughs> Why? 
You'd be saying, this is the, this is the house of God. You, you can't do that here. And that's what Paul was saying. Your body is a temple. He comes to dwell in us. Amen. Romans 12 talks about a renewed mind. I want our musicians to come if you will, please. Amen. When you have a renewed mind, you're going to love the Word of God and you'll love to think about the things that are in the Word of God. This is what Simon Peter said. In 1 Peter 2 and 2, he said, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that they may grow by. When we have something in our heart that's right, that that change agent, you're going to be interested in the things of God and interested in church. Hebrews 10, 25 says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Amen. There's going to be an interest. You, you've got something bent in you. It's, it's just there. It's just there, clinging. Ephesians 5 and 19, I believe when, when we have that agent of change in our spirit, that there's going to be a song in your heart. The Bible says in Ephesians 19, speak unto yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, sing and make a melody in your heart unto the Lord. Whether you consider yourself a singer or not, there's going to be a song in your heart, just something to wellspring. These things mean something to you because we begin to see that we belong to God. And our bodies are the holy temple and it reminds us of some key elements that we're not our own, we've been bought with a price. And so he said, therefore glorify God in your body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So my mind doesn't belong to the world, it belongs to God. So I want to be very mindful that I keep worldly things out of my mind. My heart doesn't belong to the world, it belongs to God. It was set apart, it was set apart, it was sanctified. And so, and so it belongs to God. My body doesn't belong to the world. It belongs to God. I've got to be careful. I've got to be careful. I've got to sanctify these things in my spirit. Amen. I've got to let the spirit of God sanctify those things in my soul, those things in my body, those things in my mind. Amen. And all of it, it is given to God. Our text today was taken from 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23. So if we consider this passage in its context, and I'll ask you to stand if you if we will consider this passage in its context, it's all about trying to become more like Jesus in every aspect of our life. Certainly in character, certainly in character, but also in conduct. The purity of lifestyle places us in a position to be able to worship the Lord. And so I want to share with you in closing a great definition of worship. One writer said to worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God. To feed the mind with the truth of God. And to purge the imagination with the beauty of God. And to open up the heart with the love of God. Or to the love of God. And to devote the will to the purpose of God. That is positional sanctification. Hebrews 10 and 10 says once and for all set apart. Once and for all set apart for God. But there is also a practical sanctification, and that is 2 Corinthians 7 and 1, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Can I tell you, you know what we do in that practical aspect? That's daily going to God. Wash me. Cleanse me. Amen. 
wash me and cleanse me. I will tell you in the natural, you don't have to, you don't have to change the oil in a D8 bulldozer to need a bath at the end of the day. You don't have to plow in the field to need your flesh washed at the end of the day. We can say, well, I didn't do too much today. You breathed. You lived. And I can promise you that your flesh, it's declining. It's going down. Why? Because that's the root elements of it. Amen. It's decay. It's decay. And so we need the Spirit of God to touch us. And so we go to that well again and again. I want to tell you that the Lord can do something in your heart today. Let's magnify Him. Would you slip up your hands and let's magnify Him in this house today. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.